we've seen a massive adoption acceleration of the need and use of immersive solutions mainly 3d because 3d is becoming an important component for creating digital assets utilizing in so many different ways uh for uh for replacing physical um uh, products and the need to use physical products to create content to sell products and to engage with users right now in 2022 we have more than 3,000 individual users using our platform to create immersive content and solutions uh, to, uh, to upload and, and push up to their e-commerce channels, but also to using their physical channels as QR codes. Hi there, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest today is Mike Harlambus, who is an old friend of mine, a serial entrepreneur and founder of Freedium, one of London's leading 3D technology solutions for e-com, display, and AR. And today we'll discuss the metaverse, NFTs, marketing in this upcoming realm, as well as opportunities for early adopter brands. Mike, really nice catching up. It's been a while. How are you? It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. I think last time we were organizing to uh, catch up over beers in a physical bar. Next time it's going to be in a digital bar in the metaverse. So times are changing fast. <laughs> yeah, see you in the central end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Uh, actually, it's been a couple of years, maybe at least two, since we last spoke. So that is syncing up, <laughs> well, not nicely, but it's syncing up with the start of the pandemic and everything that came with that. And uh, you have developed some really cool uh, things meanwhile. Um, I was following you mostly on LinkedIn and then looking into, into what you guys were doing with Freedium. Um, and I think this is going to be a really fun episode because uh, it taps uh, or it aligns very much with uh, the specific of our episodes here on the podcast, which is um, getting our listeners closer to the innovation that is happening within the tech space and marketing specifically. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of insight and uh, learnings to take away for you guys out there that are looking to see new opportunities or are maybe interested in this web. 3.0, the metaverse, NFTs, and how your the brands that you are marketing or your own companies can leverage the changing customer behavior or, uh, you know, this space in general. Um, yeah, and really exciting. So, Mike, let's um, talk a bit about you. Uh, let's introduce you a bit to the audience. Uh, what's your story? What's the story behind Freedom? Yeah, so, um, I mean, um, we, we started 3Dium over beers and nachos in a nice diner in London. Uh, but rewinding back, um, you know, I, I was uh, very much involved in the, um, consumer electronics, um, and agency world back in the day. Mm -hmm. So, um, I used to work, uh, with Nokia on the tech scout team, finding different software and hardware, uh, you know, uh, solutions that could work for the Lumia phones. Um, then, uh, I changed shapes. I joined, uh, Wonderman in WPP. We were still wor working with, uh, with Nokia and some other consumer electronic companies, uh, trying to, um, uh, support them on the brand strategy side about rolling different consumer products across different markets. Um, and that's where we started seeing, uh, that, uh, e-commerce, um, and, and in general, digital engagement uh, was becoming uh, very critical, very important for the brands. Um, so um, as a side hassle, 
uh, we were meeting with a few friends, which all of them were, you know, uh, you know, experienced uh, in different fields in their own ways. And we were thinking about uh, ways as to how we can further elevate the, uh, the digital experience uh, as to how brands can engage with users from a product display perspective, but also from creating um, uh, commerce experiences that can elevate the purchase intention and trust for users to put their credit cards and, and buy products. Mm -hmm. um, so this is how 3D was, was formed um, with uh, our mission to, to make 3D and AR solutions very much accessible to, to everybody, to all sorts of different brands, agencies, small to medium companies, to be able to, uh, to use them and elevate their, uh, their commerce channels, um, whether that is uh, uh, in e-commerce or physical or omni-channel. And very recently, we also allow them to, to utilize them and distribute them within the metaverse. Mm -hmm. um, Threedium is a team of five uh, founders. Um, I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of the company. Um, ever since uh, the launch of the company in uh, uh, late 2017, uh, we grew from a team of five to a team of 50 people. We are headquartered in London, but we also have offices in uh, um, Serbia, Germany, um, and most recently in, uh, in the US. Nice. Um, that's a very nice growth there. Um, what's, um, what's fueled it? Was it tapping into the sort of metaverse <laughs> specter or was it the adoption that fueled your fast growth? Um, I think ever since 2016, where e-commerce and mobile commerce started to become um, important revenue and business drivers for, for the brands uh, and retailers in, in general, uh, we started seeing um, a much faster dependency on, on digital channels to be able to exist as brands and to, um, to increase market share. Um, and this increased reliance on, on, um, on e-commerce and mobile commerce allowed the brands to have much more available budgets to spend, to invest and enhance uh, their digital channels. But we are also seeing some tremendous talent um, being involved in this whole, so, uh, whole new e-commerce uh, strategy. And, 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 and we're seeing some great teams being uh, put in place from different brands which helped to drive the adoption of new technologies and more fascinating innovation uh, in the space. So um, these are, are great foundations to see a rapid evolution in, in, in e-commerce. Um, and fast forwarding from 2016 to 2020, uh, we've been seeing brands slowly adopting 3D and immersive solutions um, to, to pilot a few of their uh, product uh, launches. Um, but also the, the pandemic has massively, um, you know, escalated the need for digital transformation. So we've seen many, many brands putting digital transformation in the forefront of their strategy, of their priorities. So e-commerce, mobile commerce, digital channels have been um, um, an important uh, element that which they had to, to further revolutionize in order to stay relevant in that ever-changing uh, consumer uh, environment and ecosystem. So um, we've seen a massive adoption, acceleration of the need and use of immersive solutions, mainly 3D because 3D is becoming an important component for creating digital assets, utilizing in so many different ways uh, for 
for replacing physical um, uh, products and the need to use physical products to create content, to sell products and to engage with users. And, um, you know, we, as one can say, we were probably in the right time, in the right, uh, in the right space uh, to get enough attention for all these big brands that they were looking to, um, to embrace 3D and immersive uh, commerce solutions. So we had a product that it was already quite advanced for its time and it was able to cater all these um, advanced and massive and scalable requirements that the brands, enterprises and agencies uh, wanted at the time. Um, and this is how we started uh, rapidly gaining traction and market share. So right now in 2022, we have more than 3000 individual users using mm -hmm. our platform to create immersive content and solutions uh, to, uh, to upload and, and push up to their e-commerce channels, but also to using their physical channels as QR codes. Uh, but we also have more than 40 enterprises across uh, different verticals uh, using our technology at scale um, to innovate with uh, their e-commerce, omni-channel and metaverse channels. Um, all, these, um, all these users and, and enterprises are using our technology to be able to create 3D and AR product explorers, 3D and AR configurators, 3D and AR uh, display ads. Um, mm -hmm. And very recently, they're also using our platform to optimize their existing 3D models, to create um, uh, 3D ready, uh, 3D metaverse ready, if you like, um, wearables and products, which they can then sell uh, in the metaverse worlds directly to avatars. And as we typically say to our brands and partners, you create 3D once, you use 3D to sell it thrice. Uh, so mm -hmm. it gives them multiple ways in which they can benefit and utilize their assets and, and, and start seeing a great ROI across different channels using our engine. Um, some of the brands we work with include Diageo, uh, uh, Farfetch, uh, a lot of brands from LVMH Group, some brands, uh, brands from Richmond Group. Uh, we also work closely with um, a lot of creative agencies and media agencies such as uh, McCann and, and Wavemaker. And we have very strong uh, partnerships with um, all different metaverse worlds such as uh, Decentraland, Sandbox, Digital Village and OBR. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So what would be the most um, to, to have like a smooth transition towards the metaverse? Because uh, I really want us to get there. But just uh, so we have a starting point. What's the most popular e-commerce solution that you or your clients use from what you guys offer? Um, every six months, uh, this uh, the answer to this question changes. Um, if you ask me that question a year ago, those would have probably been um, 3D configurators. Um, a lot of the brands, they were looking to elevate their personalization experience on their e-commerce sites. So creating 3D configurators that would allow users to configure products in real time using 3D, using uh, configuration techniques, um, really drove strong engagement and conversions for the brands. Then the more the brands kind of like um, uh, mainstreamed uh, the solution, they then starting to see how they could elevate their, uh, their product display pages, the so-called PDP pages. So they were using the platform to create different uh, kind of designs around uh, 3D and AR viewers and explorers. So they were 
uh, creating um, some interesting 3D viewers with uh, different backgrounds and the ability to add hotspots around products so that they can create a more autonomous browsing experience for the users once they would land on the product page and explore the different products. Um, and, and right now we're also seeing a lot of the brands coming to us asking if they can use their 3D uh, products to create 3D NFTs, but we're also seeing a, a massive uh, request for brands to pilot their 3D products um, and sell them within the metaverse. So, uh, you know, it just changes every six months, depending on 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 how um, uh, you know how much the brands are looking to innovate and push boundaries. We're seeing um, a huge uh, uplift in the different solutions that one can use to generate from from our engine. Great. Okay, so just to start a discussion on the metaverse uh, and focus on the solutions that you guys are working on with the brands there, and then uh, let's bounce some ideas on trends and changing customer behavior and what's out there for brands that want to tap into this territory uh, in terms of opportunities. Um, first things first, just to make sure that everybody listening to us uh, understands the terminology and we are uh, good on that front. So what is the metaverse? Well, I mean, that's a, a great question um, with uh, a not so straight answer. Um, First and foremost, the metaverse can be anything for anyone, right? Um, um, the metaverse could be the moment that you go onto your mobile device and you immerse yourself in your screen and all of a sudden you forget everything around you and you're just scrolling and reading the news in, in your device. That's where you immerse yourself in a different kind of, of, of universe other than the one that you're present right now. However, how we like to simplify uh, the definition of the metaverse as to how it's shaping up right now through all these different news and publications people are reading. Um, the metaverse is basically the era where consumers and users and individuals like you and me are ready to spend a dollar, one hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to purchase and own a digital asset, the same way that they would spend those kind of of, of money to acquire a physical product. So uh, this kind of need and demand for people to use uh, real money and purchase digital assets um, allows the creation of a dual economy. So all of a sudden, a brand, namely Nike, um, could be selling directly to Mike as a physical consumer, the Air Jordan sneakers. But at the same time, they can go and attract Mike's digital identity avatar and sell to him digital Nikes uh, for his digital lifestyle. Um, and that's what we typically tend to mean um, to, 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 to mean by metaverse when we talk from a commerce perspective. And mm -hmm. then why Mike as a digital identity would be keen to purchase the Nike digital version is because he's building um, a lifestyle and identity of his own. Um, in the metaverse, uh, they want to be whoever they cannot be in real life. They want to create an alter, e alter ego. Um, they want to uh, go and have a, a much more gamified um, um, life, life experience that they don't get to have in real life. So it's a nice escape from them. And if you think about it, we are also kind of programmed already to be able to live in this kind of 
of alter ego digital identities, either through the existing so-called social media uh, identities that we have, or either because we have grown up playing games and we've always been kind of acquainted and we always had that secret passion of us wanting to live in the game. And right now, technology and the browsers and, and, and internet connectivity kind of allows crazy people like us and, and like um, game developers and, and metaverse developers to be able to build these kind of worlds that allow the users and, the, and, 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 and people to go and, and start building a second life, if you like, in those spaces and uh, embracing all the different uh, attributes that can come with that. And on that note, uh, mostly noting gaming, uh, we are kind of there or have been for a little bit. Like people have already started to spend money to buy certain items in games, even if there's not a 3D experience in the way that you'd put an Oculus on and then you are in a new universe altogether, uh, not seeing anything around you. But the immersiveness is there. So you are fully focused in there and you spend money on a game, even if the infrastructure is not necessarily yet or has not yet been because in the recent times we are getting close to that. Um, how do you see the evolution of metaverse or the metaverses, depending on who looks at them uh, or who defines them um, this year over the next two years? Yeah, so um, basically the metaverse is, is one a holistic thing and and what we tend to to refer to as to the different um uh, entities in the metaverse such as sandbox decentraland and what have you those are just different metaverse worlds within this universe <laughs> right um so who's gonna prevail eventually whether it's gonna be uh, metas Facebook metaverse world or sandbox or uh land, we still don't know. But what is certain and, and the kind of um, um, you know notion that we're starting to see is that people and users entering into the metaverse into this new internet or the so-called Web3 internet is that they're coming in with an appetite of decentralization. And we're seeing a massive transition away from the centralized Web2 internet as we know it, which belongs to like four companies. Um, and a lot of users, they feel that they have a first class opportunity to be able to reduce uh, the monopoly power that these companies had in the previous internet, owning and controlling so much uh, personalized data. So we are seeing um, uh, companies that are more decentralized, more um, um, prone to, to giving anonymity to the users to, to build and grow and, 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 and flourish in this new internet uh, to, to have more, um, you know, um, more demand, more, um, more welcoming kind of vibes from, from the users. And, and, and this is why we're seeing rapidly the likes of Decentraland and, and Sandbox um, growing in popularity and people don't really care whether Facebook or uh, you know, Microsoft or Google are gonna be present in this new internet because they don't really need them. And they, they're actually trying to build a much more free uh, and a much more um, you know, um, less, uh, less scary, if you like, kind of internet. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, in terms of um, in terms of why this is going to continue growing, um, this is because um, we're seeing some obvious uh, metrics uh, arising, especially from the younger generations. So last year alone, for the first time ever, we've noticed that uh, children between the age of 10 to 12, they asked from, for Santa to offer them in-game um, purchases and, and, and bolt-ons versus real-life gadgets. So okay. we're seeing uh, this new uh, generation of, of, of the future uh, consumers who are going to have the, the, the purchasing power already growing up um, with um, with um, this this con- consciousness that for them digital ownership is a part ownership. of ownership and they understand it and they want it so for them it's not going to be anything different uh, we're also starting seeing with the use of blockchain that the ability of owning digital uh, digital assets actually has a proof to track back to the real owner and therefore you can show off that you you own that asset and it's certified and it's authenticated so it already fulfills um all the needs that you won't have as a user that that product whether it's physical or digital belongs to you mm-hmm. um so this is just the beginning and we're definitely uh seeing a massive adoption of 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 users going into the space and and looking to spend money and, and, and wanting to fulfill that need uh, and void, if you like, um, to, to, to own digital assets and see how they're going to be using them across uh, the real lives and their digital lives. Um, you pointed something really nice there, and I think it would be worth us spending another five minutes discussing and developing on it, on the idea, uh, because I think it's very valuable to clarify this so it and that is the difference between web 2.0 which is our web that we grew up with and web 3.0 which is the web that these guys 10 years old that are asking for digital assets on their birthdays and christmas uh, are growing or are, are going to be growing uh with um and here um when we talk about metaverse um one clarification or idea that I would like us to discuss uh, that I think is going to be very interesting is that when we talk about metaverse it's not only us going into some game like game like universes let's say a counter strike map or something like that and then just living there and having these brands there and whatever um b- by using a some glasses, some AR glasses, VR glasses, um, but also it comes with a component of decentralization and with everything that, um, like all the values that can be attached to something like um, metaverse world, which would be, you know, power to the people and uh, digital transactions, non-monetary, like non-fiat uh, currency and all these things. So uh, what's, what's your view on this? Um, I think it's bound to um, it's bound to to happen that eventually tokenomics tokenization is going to be a core component of the Web three. Um, we are already seeing uh, some interesting cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polygon, um, even currencies from Sandbox and Decentraland already starting to to be used for people to transact. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of people also storing these currencies in the wallets, and sometimes they tend to prefer to transact with them rather than, uh, you know, uh, the fiat currencies such as dollars and euros. Uh, and there's strong indications in the market that in the next couple of years, 
um, you know, there's not going to be much difference between how, which currencies users are going to prefer to, um, to, to transact with. As an as additional uh, add-on basically and a benefit for the cryptocurrencies is that, and, and the tokenomics uh, we're talking about is that we're going to start seeing um, less price deviations uh, within jurisdictions. So let's say a glass, uh, um, a tin, a can of Coca-Cola uh, that it's worth uh, 0.01 ETH in, uh, in Germany, it will still worth 0.01 ETH in, in Ghana, let's say. Um, so you're not going to be able to see too many uh, price discrepancies and price wars between products. And there's going to be uh, a much more um, real pricing, basically, if you like, um, in, in the markets. Uh, on top of that, um, many, many brands will now have the ability to create their own currencies, which in turn will allow them to reward their own users uh, if they start engaging with the different brands, with the different ecosystems. And this is also a huge component of the Web3, which is all about rewarding your users, uh, either financially or um, uh, with different other rewards that, that, that can cement uh, and, and, and show the respect that a brand wants to show to their loyal customers, to their loyal fans. Um, so uh, it's going to be an interesting way in how we see that shift of, 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 of loyalty uh, mechanics that we, we were acquainted with in Web 2 and how we're going to be acquainted with them in, in, in Web 3. Um, so yeah, uh, all, all of these things are just um, an interesting um, theory for the time being. But we start seeing that users are becoming more and more um, in demand of this kind of of uh, of transactional um, and rewarding uh, behaviors and experiences. Also, in terms of the attention and where people are focusing, I mean, basically in marketing, we as marketers uh, try to get people's, I mean, try to get brands in front of people where they pay attention to. So considering the specific of the environment, uh, like when you are in the metaverse, because you can do a lot of things in the metaverse, such as, you know, meetings, but enhanced <laughs> uh, from what we are doing. For example, even right now, when we are recording this podcast, we could be at a table in a metaverse scenario, sort of like one avatar next to each other and talking as if we were in the same uh, city, for example. Um, so from that perspective, we can almost know for sure that the people that are already looking to be present there are going to spend a lot of time there. And this obviously takes away um, from the attention capital that a brand could have from its audience in traditional uh -huh. channels from today and get it to those channels. And this, of course, uh, drives the need for brands to want to be present or to communicate on those channels or in this environment where people do spend a lot of time in or a proportion of the time, depending on their demographic or their other um, criteria but certainly if you know your customer avatar and persona well you'd probably know whether they are more prone to spend time in something like the metaverse versus on a bus going to meet their friends for a pint down the pub so uh like for example on a friday rather than doing the same thing at their laptop from home you <laughs> know setting that they choose in i don't know let's say the central land 
Um, so given this change of um, focus uh, that comes with the adoption of the platforms, um, we believe, uh, and here I would like to hear your thoughts as well, that the traditional marketing channels or the ways that we communicate as marketers or brands with customers are going to be diversified or adapted as well. So some marketing infrastructure um, should come to, uh, to the table or should be developed so that we can leverage this space using blockchain probably because everything is happening on blockchain in this rather than in a centralized way as we do now for Facebook. I mean, probably excluding Facebook and uh, the other guys that are developing uh, centralized metaverses. Uh, here you can contradict me if you have other data or you know insights. Um, but um, just to sum up and then to have a discussion here, we believe that there will be some channels that will be avail available to brands so that we can use all the data that is going to be gathered by analyzing the people that are going to spend a lot of time there and then deliver ads better or in a manner that also rewards the people that are viewing them or are engaging with them and then creating another level of um, brand engagement and relationship in the end with the brands that are going to be there and that can find their customers there. What's your view on this? So the, my, my view is that we're way too early to know how this space is going to evolve. But for sure, if we see this as the new um social media channels or the new social commerce channels then definitely um brands are going to, need to take them very seriously and start uh, embracing them uh, what we typically suggest to brands is that um there is no longer a question of if they should go into the metaverse but how they should be going into this metaverse um stratosphere if you like um basically they should always go in and formulate a, a long-term strategy knowing what they will be doing once they go in. Uh, but in order to tip their feet into the water, we usually suggest them to have a short-term strategy, but with a long-term game, a long-term plan. Um, so um, to first understand the, the ease or how they could portray their brands um, and their products into the metaverse, we always uh, ask them to, to do something small, either to lease a, a pop-up store or either try to launch like a wearable into the market or create a small Discord group, launch an NFT drop with some utility either in real life or in the metaverse to get people acquainted to understand that this brand is, is doing all the right steps to go in and it's starting to reward its customers and users in more Web3 kind of manner versus the old or more you know, traditional and conservative Web2 loyalty uh, uh, techniques. And then um, once they start building a community, once they start uh, building this kind of momentum that they're now transitioning into this new uh, era of, of uh, socializing with their customers, of building communities, of becoming more metaverse um, that's where organically it's going to start growing for them and they're going to be able to, to make more uh, you know, mature decisions, more uh, robust, more aggressive decisions uh, as to how they're going to to expand their strategy um, and, and their and their brand uh, footprint into the mm -hmm. into the different metaverse worlds. Um, there's some quick growth hacks basically that the brands can can be looking to uh, to achieve. So, 
even though there's so many interesting metaverse worlds that are about to go live, there are a few obvious ones which are easy for the brands to go in right now and which they have good accessibility like Roblox, which is more centralized um, and it, it, it focuses more on, on, on children between the age of six, eight to the age of 12, 13 even, but it has 58 million users. And it's an interesting environment for the brands to go in. Uh, and also we've got Decentraland, which it's uh, more decentralized um, and it's uh, fairly accessible from desktop, soon from mobile apps as well. Uh, anyone can go in with or without MetaMask wallets. Um, it's addressable to our younger audience between the age of 18 to the age of 35, maybe 40 sometimes. Um, and, uh, and brands can go there um lease part of a land or a shop sell a few wearables start building uh some sort of branding um and 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 interacting with the avatars to be able to synthesize their their uh, their strategy and and their aesthetics um as to how they want to portray the brand in the metaverse um and then obviously each brand launching a small nft which will act as the uh, as their legacy NFT as their provenance for the first unique set of 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 of, of consumers and users that are going to be owning that. That's also a great way to be able to start building a more long term and loyal community um, to to get them on board on this journey so that they can uh, voyage along with the brand as they're growing their um, you know uh, their experiences in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So what's something hot that you are working on right now that you think would be good inspiration for people here that are maybe leading marketing departments and they are looking at ways to to be innovative or to reposition their brand and keep it fresh? So um, for us, there's there's two main elements that we're going to be focusing on our metaverse um, um, strategy uh, until the end of the year. First is that we have created this um, um, mini luxury mall plazas in different metaverse worlds mm -hmm. that basically enables the brands to, uh, um, to be able to lease part of those areas where they can go and reskin them and place some products inside effortlessly without having to worry too much about cryptos and whatever. So it's an easy transition for them to uh, to navigate from the traditional e-commerce experience to the meta-commerce experience, all they need to do is just convert their three D models uh, and make them metaverse ready, uh, and and this will allow them to start announcing uh, that they they have a place in the metaverse and start building uh, a nice marketing and PR campaign around them, but also uh, start extracting some interesting um, you know user behaviors and data that will allow them uh, to synthesize a much more holistic uh, meta-commerce strategy as, as they, they grow and they become more mature in space. Um, the second thing that we're testing a lot is, um, is basically uh, avatar behavior. So we are looking to play a lot with different APIs uh, that will allow the brands um, to be able to see how avatars that purchase uh, their digital sneakers or digital hoodies um, are actually utilizing them in the different metaverse worlds. 
Are they wearing them for X, Y, Z amount of, of days or hours? Do they spend more time doing specific activities with that? And this will then ultimately allow the brands to see how they could reward uh, their users um, uh, through this kind of, 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 of data sets that they're amassing. So uh, we're playing around different new metrics such as where, uh, where to earn or sweat to earn. So the brands can actually find new kind of uh, ambassadors and influencers in, in the metaverse, which they can be re rewarding them with, you know, Ethereum for every, every kind of, 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 of avatar that crosses paths with them whilst they're wearing their hoodie, or um, if they spend X, Y, Z amount of time wearing uh, that specific hoodie, walking around the metaverse or jumping or engaging into different sorts of activities, again, they can be unlocking more rewards from the brands. Um, so, you know, these are all interesting metrics and, and, and innovation uh, touch points that we're playing around to see how we can uh, further introduce new engagement strategies between the brands and the avatars and consequently the consumers. So is there a direct way, for example, for a brand, let's say a fashion brand to go now into a metaverse shopping mall, let's say in the central land um, and have a pop-up store there or have a lease on a shop that is branded up, like where is, where's their brand and has, I don't know, the 3D models of one of their collections in there and people in the metaverse can visit um yeah so basically this is actually what we tend to encourage the brands because first of all we don't want them to spend too much money buying land and not even being sure if that metaverse world which they bought the land in is going to prevail or it's going to die out so in order for them to have um uh less risk but bigger uh, exposure um we tend to be the ones um taking the risk, if you like, uh, amassing the lands, uh, and then giving the chance to the brands to just come in, start playing around, understanding if this is something that works for them or doesn't work for them or what else they need to do to optimize their strategy without spending too much money, without breaking the bank, um, uh, and having a world-class opportunity to go in and, and, and just uh, you know start interacting. Um, so basically, I, I, I think that there is no right or wrong. Uh, but as I mentioned before, the easiest way for the traditional brands to be able to go into the metaverse without feeling too iffy, too afraid, is to try and extract the elements that they are acquainted with in real life, in the high street, and just slowly um, use them using those elements and bring them into the metaverse. So because they're acquainted with leasing uh, premises, because they are acquainted uh, with visual merchandising. Um, these are the, the key elements that we try to extract from high street in real life, bring into the metaverse with more metaverse vibes and with a different kind of engagement strategy for them to, to be more appealing to the avatars and to the audience that is right now spending time in, in the metaverse. And, 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 and we try to smoothly bring the brands in uh, without scaring them too much and without confusing them too much. In terms of budgets, what would be a ballpark or an average, maybe smallest budget that somebody should look at allocating for a test like this? Um, this is really a question that varies 
according to the size of each of the brands. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we can say 100K and would mean nothing for brands like Louis Vuitton. We mm -hmm. could say uh, 5K and it would mean a lot for a small to medium retailer in the high street right now. Uh, the good thing is that there's a budget that can be catered for any kind of, uh, of appetite. So even with as low as $300, one can have a wearable ready and submit that wearable in Decentraland and they can have that wearable ready to be sold to avatars through Decentraland's marketplace and they can start promoting it both in real life and through their social channels and they can start generating sales uh, to avatars. Somebody so let's position else, themselves into, you know, that kind of brand that is there. Exactly, exactly, right? Or they can spend $10,000 or $20,000. They can lease um, a few pop-up stores here and there. They can reskin them. They can put a few products as display. They can do even some, uh, you know, uh, events or webinars through those shops to get people in. They can launch some rewards. So, you know, it really, really varies, but a budget should never be an obstacle for them to go in because there is something that can be catered for any kind of, of, of budget size. Nice. Man, this was such a nice discussion and really insightful. It's the first time that we actually tapped into the subject on on the podcast in so much depth i mean specifically metaverse we never really went into detail on it so i'm really happy that uh, we had the chance to do this with you uh and also we had a chance to catch up a bit um hopefully hopefully we'll have the chance to you know catch up off podcast as well pretty soon uh we should organize um but yeah until next time if there's people that want to get in touch with you and potentially explore directly these opportunities that we were discussing about or they want to propose partnerships or anything to do with that what's the best place uh, that they can find you and link up to you uh well i would say linkedin is uh the the obvious direct channel one can uh, can get in touch uh, but then there's a, there could always be my email which they can get through through you i suppose uh, if they want mm -hmm. to uh, to get in touch and uh, you know, we somewhere here we will have the the link to uh, to to go to Three Dreams website, so they can even reach out across the uh, the contact us uh, mm -hmm. channel. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So guys, you'll have all the links in the description of the episode, or yeah, depending on where you are streaming or listening to it. Um, but yeah. Um, also, uh, Mike's LinkedIn is. Uh, Mike, as you will have it in the title. So uh, his name is Harlambus, uh, but you have the spelling there in the title of the episode as well. Mike, My thank you again. Mike Chara, hmm? so I don't have to pr pronounce the entire surname. <laughs> Sorry? My alias name is Mike Chara, so I don't need to pronounce the entire surname. It becomes confusing ah. for a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people. I get that as well, like with you <laughs> and TIU and you. <laughs> Right. or Tui. <laughs> that, that's a, <laughs> an often encountered one. Right. Awesome. Cool. Uh, man, thanks again for the time today. Really nice catching up. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys doing a lot of great stuff. Um, ping us when you have cool projects and maybe we'll bring them on the podcast as well and actually make case studies of them. Um, and looking forward to having a beer also in the metaverse, but also in real life <laughs> while we're in the transition. Wherever it's more suitable. <laughs> Depending on the Perfect. world. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks again, man. Rocket. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in today and looking forward to catching up soon. Bye.
it's been a pleasure, guys. And always remember to have fun. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.